Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. Glad that you could join us today. We are continuing our journey through this quarter's Bible study lesson. We are looking at the subject, In the Crucible with Christ. Why do bad things happen to Christians? And with us again this week is the author of this quarter's lesson. This is Gavin Anthony. Gavin, welcome. We're glad to have you here. Great. Thank you. It's, it's lovely to be in the studio. Yeah, we're, we do have you in the studio. You joined us all the way from Iceland, of all places, halfway around the world, it seems, almost. But we're delighted to have you here with us to continue to, to lead us through this study. And we're in week number three right now, called the Birdcage. Now, this is a really fascinating week where we begin to, to dig into this uh, in verity, we've kind of laid a little foundation. We've, we've, we've poked and prodded at it, but we start to really get into it, uh, this week. And God really does lead his people through some strange places, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Um, although it can be very challenging often to actually arrive and be happy with that conclusion. Uh, maybe if we just recap a little bit from what we've looked at, particularly last week, um, uh, there are four, the way I look at it, there are four main reasons why we experience um, pain. Satan is at work in the world. You know, we look what's happening, Ukraine or, or whatever. you looking on your TV or newspapers. We see that and it causes our hearts pain. I mean, it really does. The second reason is we sin and we reap the painful consequences of that sin. The third one, and this is where we're perhaps going more in, in this series than, than the one after that. We are sinful human beings, but God wants to refine the impurities out of us so we become like gold, and so the refiner's fire, crucible metaphor. And then, of course, we have this fourth reason, which is, is really related to the previous one, and really coming from John 15, where you've got this idea of a, a gardener who is pruning. And of course, the, the gardener uses a knife to prune, but it's for greater fruitfulness. So I think probably our, our greatest challenge when we are looking at this subject is we have this idea that, that Satan is, he does bad things, he causes pain. But God, um, he's good. Um, so how can we... How can we get our heads around this idea that I am following God, I'm doing it with all of my heart, I'm doing it with great sincerity, but I'm still experiencing pain? And so this week we're going to try and unpack a little bit more, looking at some examples of the fact where God is leading his people to places where they will experience some unpleasant things. So it's not an uncommon experience. In fact, most of us, you, you may well have experienced this yourself. You're walking with Christ, and yet things aren't going well, as well as you might like. So it's not an uncommon thing, and this week we begin to see some examples of, of why that is. On the first day's lesson, we have this, uh, this quote from C.S. Lewis' book. It's an interesting quote. Why don't you unpack that a little bit for us? Yes, let, let me read this. This is from C.S.'s famous book, um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The children have landed in Tanania. Um, they've gone out the back of the wardrobe in this strange uh, country, and they meet a badger. And, uh, and they're talking, uh, Mr. Badger is explaining the fact that their king is a lion. And... Uh, uh, this is how, how the quote goes. Ooh, says Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? 
I shall feel nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Didn't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. And there is kind of the conundrum that we are wrestling with.、Um, a God who is not predictable doesn't work how we think, but he is good.、Um, and, and as we would say as Christians, he, he is very good.、Uh, he loves us so much that he sent his own son to die for us. He's that good.、Um, but when we are dealing with the problems on a day to day basis, we can tend to forget that. And we struggle to believe that God is good when we are suffering. So he's good, but he's also good enough to know that sometimes the things that we most need are not necessarily the things that we would choose. There are things that might cause us some pain, some discomfort, some sometimes anguish.、Uh, and yet he still permits these things, allows them to happen for one of those four reasons that we talked about、uh, a little while ago. There's, there's another quote that you share here from Leon Morris.、Uh, share a little bit more about that. Yes, well, Morris, I mean, I can think when I look back into my own life, I can look at long periods, years of very painful situations. And the Sabbath school lessons are, are, are a product of, of, well, it's my theological journey, my theological autobiography, you could say. But there were large chunks of years where I thought the pain I was experiencing was random. And was without purpose. And、uh, I came across this just short comment from Leo, Leon Morris, and he's talking about suffering, and he says it's not quite so bad when it can be seen as meaningful. So, if there is some purpose that we're aiming for, yes, I'm I'm struggling now, but if I can understand what that purpose is ahead of me. Uh, then it can help a little bit in、uh, orientating me, keeping me stable, and not wanting to give up and throw the towel in.、Uh, because when I hurt,、um, you know, and God doesn't seem to help, I'm praying and, and nothing happens.、Uh, he doesn't seem to answer him me in the way that I think a good God should. But if I know that there's a purpose,、um, I can hang in there, and that's helpful to me, at least. So sometimes we may know a purpose. We may be able to, to foresee a purpose, or to at least imagine what the purpose might be. But other times we can't see. We we don't have any discernment of what that purpose might be. It just seems like meaningless pain and suffering and and anguish. And a lot of times in the Bible, you run into stories. You run into people who are experiencing exactly that. They're going through a fire. They're going through a challenge that they don't understand. They they may not be able to see the light at the proverbial end of the tunnel, and they have different ways of dealing with it. Some more constructive than others. You give some examples in the lesson here of people in the Bible who have gone through situations like this. What what are some of those examples? Yes. Well, maybe before I get to the examples, make a comment on this whole struggle about purpose. Right? We want there to be purpose. We might not always know what it is, and and that's a challenge.、Um, I might get to know it in a few weeks, or a few months, or a few years. 
Maybe there are some things that I've got to hold on until I get to heaven. But I think the Bible gives us enough evidence to say that there is a fundamental, or there are some critical purposes, and we'll get back get back to this, particularly in next uh, week's lesson, when we're starting talking about character. But yes, if we get to some of these examples, um, the first one we have the children of Israel going through the desert. The story of the children of Israel going through their 40 years is, there's so many examples. But first of all, we need to realize um, who is leading the children of Israel. Is it Moses? No, it's not Moses. Moses is following the cloud and Jesus is in the cloud. So when we are, first of all, looking at their journeys through the wilderness, we need to realize that it is Jesus who is going ahead, but he's invisible to the people. They don't necessarily know that Jesus is in the cloud, that God is there. Um, They're following a human being. So, of course, the first story that we have is when they're leaving Egypt. And um, they're heading towards the, the Red Sea. There is the army, a Pharaoh's army behind them. They get to finally to the to the Red Sea, water in front of them, mountains either side, and galloping soldiers behind them. And uh, the Bible says that they were terrified. You can, you can hardly hold that against them. I mean, they're in a <laughs> I tough would spot. Be too. <laughs> yes, and, and yet they make it through. Con- continue. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. Continue. Yes. Well. The question is why God could have opened up the Red Sea just as they were coming onto the beach. He didn't have to wait for some time. I don't know how many minutes or hours or how long it took before Moses held out his rod and the seas parted. But God allowed them to wait there on that beachhead with all of their fears. And so... The question is, why does God do this? Why did God lead them into a trap and let them wait for some time? And, you know, again, as we'll see over and over again, God is wanting to teach his children how to depend on him. They are about to see one of the most amazing miracles in the history of the world. They just don't know it yet. But as they begin to learn trust in God. Well, I'm not sure how many trusting there were. At least Moses was, had enough faith to put up his rod and, and the, the, the seas parted. And then as they walked through on the, on the, on the seabed with the, the, the high waters behind, uh, either side of them, they began to realize that their God was a God of miracles. And of course, they get out the other side and they're singing for joy until the next time that they get scared. Um, but there is this moment where they're rejoicing in the, in the magnificence of the God that they serve. They are beginning to learn how to depend on him. You know, as they were waiting there on the, on the former side of the sea rather than the latter side, waiting for, for it to open, if God had opened it earlier, they would never have seen the destruction of the Egyptian army. They would never have had that same song to sing that they did sing on, on the latter side of the sea. It's really incredible to see what God's timing is like, how he pulls things together. His timing is 
immaculate. It is perfect. Someone once said he knows no haste and no delay. He's always right on time. And we can see examples of that in the way that God deals with his people. We're looking at examples of how he deals with Moses. We're going to look at or in the children of Israel. And we're going to look at some other stories in the Bible as well to see how God leads his people through challenging times in order that they might learn to trust him just a little bit more. I want to encourage you, if you have not yet done so, be sure to pick up the companion book to this quarter's lesson. It is called The Refiner's Fire by Gavin Anthony. And you can pick this up at It Is Written's shop. That's itiswritten.shop. And it will give you additional insight into what we are studying here week by week, delving into it more deeply, and you will get a whole lot more out of this quarter's lessons as you dive into that book. Again, The Refiner's Fire by Gavin Anthony. It is written dot shop. We're going to come back in just a moment as we continue our journey through week number three. We'll be right back. He is an MIT-trained chemical engineer. He's an archaeologist. Today, she leads an organization dedicated to the welfare of orphans. Ten feet apart from each other, the seal impression of King Hezekiah, and right next to it, the seal impression of an Isaiah, the Navi. So when the king came to meet the heads of state, he had to pass through my office. And he would look and say, hi, Norma. Hello, Norma. People can contest when you talk about the Sabbath or what happens when you die. But when you tell your story, they can't argue with that. It's your story. His name is Dr. Michael Hazel. He's Dr. David Hartman. Her name is Norma Nashed. His name is Keith Reed. And I'm John Bradshaw. And this is our conversation. Watch new episodes every Sunday on It Is Written TV. If you enjoy coloring, then you are going to love the Buried Treasure Coloring Book from My Place with Jesus. The Buried Treasure Coloring Book has more than just pictures to color. You'll also enjoy activity pages, each accompanied by their very own audio story. Mr. Dixon came across a small, well-weeded rice patch out in the middle of a field. Get ahead of a rainy day or a relaxing evening as a family and order the Buried Treasure Coloring Book from It Is Written. Welcome back to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We are looking at week number three of this quarter's lesson, looking at going through the crucible with Christ. I want to come back, Gavin, and and hit a quote that really this week's lesson is all about, and that is the birdcage. It's found in a book called The Ministry of Healing on page 472. What is this quote, and why is it so significant? Well, I have to say, when I first came across this quote, and it was quoted somewhere else, um, I, I sort of did a double take. I wasn't really sure, is this true? I mean, is this really how God works? Let me read it, and then we maybe kind of chat about this a little bit. It says, In the full light of day, and in hearing of the music of other voices, the caged bird will not sing the song that his master seeks to teach him. He learns a snatch of this, a trill of that, but never a separate and entire melody. But the master covers the cage and places it where the bird will listen to the one song he is to sing. 
In the dark, he tries and tries again to sing that song until it is learned, and he breaks forth in perfect melody. Then the bird is brought forth, and ever after he can sing that song in the light. And now we get to the punchline. Thus, God deals with His children. He has a song to teach us, and when we have learned it amid the shadows of affliction, we can sing it ever afterwards. That is a vivid picture of, of obviously teaching a bird a new song, but the implications for us are, are huge, because God, God has a song He wants us to learn to sing. But if the only way we can learn to sing that song is by spending a little time in the darkness, it means we've got some、uh, some challenging roads ahead of us. Yes, and in this quote, who is the one that puts the bird into the darkness?、Mm. It is the owner of the bird. He is the one that puts the dark covering over and plunges this little bird、um, into the dark, and where he's scared and very uncertain. And that was the thing that really took me aback when I first read it. It's like, really, does does God put his cover so that I go into the darkness? The strange answer is is yes, he does. He he knows the end from the beginning. He knows what it is that we need better than we ourselves know, and if if you and I were to choose our own paths, we would probably choose the soft path, the bright path, the flowery path, the path with beautiful views. But that might not get us to the desired destination. That's right. If we go back to the week one, we're talking about the Psalm twenty-three. You know, it starts off with green grass and quiet waters. You know, I would like to camp out there for for the rest of my life, but that has a purpose. It is a refreshing time,、uh, but it's not necessarily where God wants to keep us. And I think I was just reading something this morning, where the author was talking about how, when we are aligning ourselves to God's purpose, we are continually living under His discipline in a good way. He is continually working to,、um, again, as we will be really emphasising next week,、um, growing in Christ-like character, growing in dependency, growing so I realise I have nothing and everything of value comes from God. That through the filling of the Holy Spirit, I can I can receive His character. This is the process that God is taking us down, so we can get to the point where I say, "Okay, I give up. I am not going to try and do this by myself. I need to show people what is from God and not what is from me." And、uh, and so maybe that takes us back to the children of Israel in the desert. Yeah, the, the children in the,、uh, of Israel in the desert—they had some unpleasant experiences. Uh, some of them they brought upon themselves, and some of them you might say just happened, or we might say a a curtain was put over the birdcage, and, and God brought them through、uh, some challenges. Yes, well, you know, we we in those four reasons for why suffering happens. You know, one is we suffer the consequences of our sins,、um, and they certainly suffer the consequence of their sins. But if we if we pick the story up where we where we left off. God brings them to this dead end, a trap. It appears maybe to them, and suddenly He reveals His greatness and His majesty and power. They walk through. So, where does the the cloud take them? 
Now, again, from their point of view, it looks like there's a man, Moses, he's leading where they're going. And they suddenly go to um, a place called um, Mara. And there is water. They're in the desert. They need water. Great to have water. What do you know? This water is bitter. They, They probably weren't hoping for that. No, but Jesus led his own people to something they desperately needed, but to find out that it was corrupted and it wasn't what they actually needed. So a lesson there again for for us, I think, sometimes he leads us to the same things we think we wanted, but we don't know what we really need. Well, uh, absolutely. And just in the same way that God leads them to the Dead Sea trap, if we can call it like that, and they suddenly have a revelation of God's greatness, suddenly the water turns from bitter to sweet. So another revelation of that God can take a situation, a really terrible one, and he can transform something. But then, of course, he then takes them to Rephidim, uh, which is another water problem. Again, I don't know whether it was a hot time of year or a cold time of year, but there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people out in a desert with their their cattle and their kids and they need water and they arrive at a place and there's no water again jesus leading his people to a place where they're desperate for something and it isn't even present it's not even bitter water so it seems like they're going from bad to worse for out of the proverbial frying pan and into the fire but there's a lesson here that god's wanting to teach them what, what is that lesson that he's wanting to teach them through this? Well, I, I think it's interesting, particularly if you look at these two water examples. Firstly, they see that God can take something that is there and transform it. The second one, God can create out of nothing for what they need. So, you know, who would imagine that water can come out of a rock? I mean, we read these stories and we're looking backwards and it's kind of, yeah, water, just talk to God and and water will come out of a rock. They had never imagined something like that in their wildest dreams. Uh, But yet God was was able to do that. So God intervenes in in the most dramatic way uh, to reveal that in any situation, whether your enemies are coming behind you, whether there is bitter water that needs to be transformed or whether there is nothing to be seen, but you need something in that moment, God is there every single time and he will provide everything his children need. That's encouraging and I hope that you caught that. Regardless of what you may be going through, God is there and he can provide exactly what you need. And we're going to continue to see this week after week of how God brings his children through challenging times and his purpose in that, why it takes place. Gavin, I want to I want to delve into in the few minutes that we have remaining some some interesting passages here, some some verses over in First Peter, uh, chapter one, verses six and seven. Now, here's what the verses say: It says, "In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith." of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I think that's some valuable insight that Peter gives us about the trials that we face. 
Yes. And I have to say, personally, this text has been one that I've gone back to many times. We started talking about purpose. You know, what is the purpose of what I'm going through? Now, as I said, we don't necessarily always know what the purpose is, but here is one purpose. This is one of the divine purposes that God has for us. And let's let's look at this. Um, If we go maybe bit by bit through this. So Peter is writing to people who are undergoing persecution. They're going through what he says, you are suffering grief in all kinds of trials. Now, in, in my version here, it says, these have come so that... So there's a purpose. So there's a purpose. These have come so that, well, what is the so that uh, purpose? So that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold. So the maturity of our faith is worth more than the most precious thing in the world, which perishes even though refined by fire. So that's temporal still as compared to faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Well, what is Peter getting at here? Now, there may be different ways we could interpret this text. This is how I understand this. So we are going through some difficulty. Let's say you're going through a really difficult time. Peter is saying this is happening, that God can mature your faith. Christ Um, He has been at work through salvation history. He is at work in your life, wanting to mature your faith because it's so valuable. And we'll come more next time to talk about why faith is so, so critical. So Jesus wants to mature your faith. And it says so that it may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. When is Jesus revealed? Well, one way we can look at this at the second coming, Jesus is going to receive praise, glory, and honor. Well, first of all, from whom? Uh, I imagine a football stadium, but we're talking about the universe now. The universe is looking on. They've been watching what has been happening in your life. They've seen when you have gone through real difficulties and you had every reason to give up, but you held on to Christ And Christ matured his faith in you. So at the resurrection, at that trumpet, you rise from the dead and the whole universe is praising Christ because of what he has done for you and enabled you to be with him for eternity. Thank you, Gavin, for that. This is encouraging. Regardless of the challenges that you may be going through, God has a plan. He can help you through it. And in the end, he will be glorified in the, in the taking care of that challenge. Gavin, why don't you have a prayer for those of us who are studying, those of us who are watching, that he'll help us through these challenging times. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the assurance of your presence. Teach us how to hang on when it feels tough. And though we may be tempted to run away, run away from you when things go wrong. Keep us safe in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today on Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We are excited to be able to continue this journey next week as we continue looking at being in the crucible with Christ. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and we will see you next time.